Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. AI was simple to ignore, hard today and impossible tomorrow. Today you need to adapt. You need to use AI tools in order to increase speed and your productivity. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Don Sinkula. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about this topic. This is going to be amazing. Amazing, amazing. I remember a few years ago, many marketers told me, no way, AI has no future. It's uh, It just creates nothing special. It's rewriting. I agree, but it helps. It helps a lot to save your time, you know, to use this technology. And um, I spoke with many experts who adapt AI to their products, to tools, uh, prediction tools, uh, to calculation tools, and uh, writing text. Before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this important topic. Sure. Well, let me tell you first and foremost, um, thank you again for having me on the podcast. My name is Dawn Sinkula. I'm the CEO of Digital Dawn. Um, We're an e-commerce marketing agency that's been in business for the last uh, nine years. Prior to that, I worked for a very large retailer and did all sorts of fun things. So e-commerce and marketing are all in my blood. And it's something that I've done my entire life. um, And I'm really passionate and excited about it. And I think Now we've got some really cool opportunities to start talking about how we can improve our marketing using tools that, you know, maybe even five years ago weren't even on the horizon for marketers or for business owners. And now here we are with so many different tools to talk about, specifically these AI tools that are getting all of this like kind of flashy marketing themselves and talk about how it really can help you as a business owner and as a marketing agency and some of the things that we're doing to implement, you know, some strategies and tactics to help our clients. Nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's talk about AI. Many years, Google, um, John Mueller, many others uh, told us, don't use AI. Don't use it. uh, Do this job manually. But I see uh, some of them changed mind. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, very quickly, uh, they right? yeah, very quickly because of this chat GPT, this uh, hot trend. Uh, and uh, uh, once I had the conversation with Fabrice Canel from Bing and I asked him why um, Google uh, search engines uh, are against AI. He told, no, uh, right. Bing is not against AI. Bing is against uh, low quality content that AI might create. So if you can use AI to create high quality content, then right. uh, Google will love it. Anyone will love it. So can you tell how to do it, how to use AI to create high quality content? Well, you know, I think there's ways that you can use AI for a variety of different reasons, right? You can you can use it for content generation, right? So you can use it to write content such as news articles, blog posts, descriptions, all sorts of things. But there's other ways to use AI too from a content optimization perspective. So it can analyze data, audience engagements. It can kind of use existing content that you have and go deeper on it. 
you can personalize it using AI. And that's the thing that's really cool with your marketing messages, such as email campaigns and increasing the likelihood of engagement based on this AI information that you're having. You can use it through social media. You can use it for targeted advertising campaigns, you know, for e-commerce specifically for us, you know, AI can assist in so many different ways from like product recommendations. It can do interesting pricing strategies. It's so much more than I think just creating content that we haven't even really started to explore all of the different ways that AI can be used. But I think when it comes to content, it can be really fast, right, for us to use keywords. It can be great for you just to put in a couple of topics and pop out, you know, a, a formula that is going to help with search or whatever it might be. But really, even for me, it's about content optimization, right, and using data to analyze what our customers or what our clients or the readers of that content are really going to engage with and how to go deeper into that. And we all know the more data you give AI, the smarter it becomes, right? And that information becomes even more valuable over time. So I think there's so many different ways that we haven't even started to explore how this AI tool is going to be able to help all of us. And there's so many different tools. I know chat, you know, GPT right now is getting like the main, you know, everybody's really excited about that. But AI has been around for a long time, you know, and other categories and other ways chat bots, all sorts of different things. So I, I think we still are at the kind of cusp of maybe how this is going to be used. But those are just some of the ways that I think that, you know, content creation can be made from an AI source or tool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, uh, we are in the beginning of this AI journey because right. uh, uh, Google implemented AI uh, in 2015, right? like seven years ago right, so, right. <laughs> it, take, it takes time to uh, develop in a way right now uh, all businesses can have this opportunity to use ai and i have the question about chat gpt you know yeah. uh, it's interesting i used ai before uh, yeah. many different tools and most of these tools like jasper uh, like uh, copy ai yeah. uh, reader uh, uh, they use data from open ai so yep. uh, it's like the foundation of all these tools. And, uh, you know, uh, today I test ChatGPT and uh, OpenAI, uh, and I see uh, that these tools created this content before, but ChatGPT uh, won uh, this attention, got this attention, a lot of attention. Can you tell why? What is the main difference? Because these tools provided this before. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I mean, Jasper, there's been other, you know, tools that have been around. I think Chat GPT has some unique features maybe that we haven't been able to see in some of the other AI tools out there, such as speed, first of all, right? Like it is fast, right? And it takes seconds for you to get information back. Depending on the complexity of what you're putting in there, obviously it takes a little bit of time. But even if you put in, you know, really 
like hardcore sort of, I need you to analyze this information, it comes back pretty quick. So I think the speed is one of the things. I think it's gotten a lot of attention of some pretty big marketers. So you're hearing it a lot and seeing it a lot on Twitter and in some of the other places. So a lot of people are getting excited about it versus, you know, maybe some of the others haven't had as much marketing attention. But I think the real piece of chat GPT is that it's actually pretty darn good, right? And so other tools that you have maybe used in the past, you sort of have to go back in and maybe like do some rewriting and it may not make grammatical sense or there may be some really weird sort of words or the keywords aren't quite right or it sounds like, you know, a computer AI bot has written it. I think chat GPT is probably one of the best as far as, you know, really providing information that's legitimately self-serving, right? I think you're always going to need a person to go through and make sure that it's legit and that that it feels and sounds like a person. But even as I was prepping for this, I put in some things for, you know, what are some ways that you can use um, AI? What are some ways that you can use, you know, ethics around AI, things like that? And it would just pop back really legitimate answers that I think, you know, will save business owners, marketers so much time. And that's really, I think, the difference with this one in particular. Plus, it's getting smarter and smarter, faster and faster. And people are using it a lot. And therefore, it's getting better and better, as we know all AI does. But it's really been interesting to see why this one has taken off versus the others. But I really think it's because this tool itself is pretty amazing. If you haven't used it, you should, but it's pretty cool to to check it out and try it and see what kinds of information you can get. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I opened your LinkedIn profile and I see you official member of Forbes in yeah. 2023. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. And you know, let me ask you, yeah. If you write an article for Forbes uh, yeah. with uh, AI, I'm not sure they will be happy with article. So can you tell how to right. use AI to write an article and edit that Forbes will love and uh, users will love? Yeah, you know, this is a this is a really interesting part of the AI piece of things because I think there's a lot of ethical sort of I don't know, things that we need to think about when we're when we're talking about AI and how to use AI in an ethical sort of way. And I think it can raise a lot of concerns, not just around like privacy, accuracy, transparency, all those types of things. But you also don't want to not have your own sort of spin or thoughts on things. Where I think AI could be helpful when writing articles is around research keywords or things that will help make your article stand out from others. So if you're looking for keywords, for example, you're going to write an article about AI and marketing. Sure, you could have AI write the whole thing for you, but that really isn't your writing. You know, that's that's a computer writing it for you on your behalf. But I think it could help you with, you know, what are the keywords that are most used when writing an article about marketing AI? What are some topics that are the most talked about? You know, it can give you some information and help you outline, I think, an article that might be a bit stronger in that way, or it might be um, something that you can use to help enhance 
you know, an already well thought out article that you want to share. So that's the way yeah. I would use it. But, you know, I mean, you think about it now too, even like with kids in college or you're writing research papers or you're doing all sorts of things. There's, there's a huge ethical piece that's going to come into this where, you know, how do you know that it's not plagiarized? How do you know that somebody didn't just put their paper in AI and like spit it out and turned it in for homework or something? You know, it's important to kind of understand some of those ethical implications that I do think come with, you know, using a tool that can be super powerful like this. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh Let's talk how to make text unique. It's not like to get 100% with uh, some uh, tools that we have, uh, because uh, even if your AI will replace all words, uh, but the meaning is the same, I'm yeah. not sure it's interesting for customers, for uh, Google. Uh, it, you know, it reminds me when I ask my friends about a new movie. And I often get the reply, nothing special, not the same plot. We watch many similar movies. So if uh, we recreate the same text, uh, uh, customers might see this text in the top. So can you tell how to make the text unique? It's not about 100% uniqueness, but unique for users and customers by using AI. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, several strategies and ways that you can sort of maximize this for uniqueness of customers. I do think that there's a bit of concern that if we all start using AI and we start all start asking the same questions that we're going to get the same information, right? But I think that if you use the AI as a structure, right, and as a tool to help you, you still have to incorporate feedback from a human, right? So I think organizations or companies have to gather feedback from human users of the AI system and tool to ensure that it's meeting their needs, right? And it's making it work most efficiently for themselves. I think you have to continuously update and adapt your AI system to make sure that it's current and that you're using best practices and that it's actually working in the way that you want it to so that you're not getting sort of this copy paste in every single situation. There always is going to be, in my opinion, I know a lot of people are concerned that AI is going to take over, you know, all copywriting positions or it's going to take over the digital marketing space and we're not, there's not going to be a need for writers or anything like that. But I still think that you've got to have a human in the mix creating, adapting, and modifying for your particular customer. AI will get smarter, obviously, the more data you put into it and the more information you give it, but there's always going to need to be a human, I think, on the back end, perusing, making sure that it's unique so that it isn't a copy and paste for every single business. And it doesn't become one of those things where it's like, oh, I can tell, you know, that was written by AI, or I can tell that was a chat bot or something along those lines. There's always going to have to be a human in the back end, I think, making sure that it's happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, once I read the book, awesome book. Uh, uh, and on this book, uh, Gary Kasparov uh, uh-huh. shared his opinion about AI. Uh, and uh, uh, he was asked about uh, what he thinks about AI. And he told he doesn't worry about AI because he was the first human being beaten yeah. by machine in 1997, many years ago. Yeah, machine beat him. Uh, but he told uh, some occupations disappear. 
Right. Yeah, it's evolution. Yeah, right. um, many things disappear uh, because evolution, uh, new things are coming. So you still have the place, you know, to adapt, to uh, use technologies uh, and right. uh, go ahead. Uh, and um, I spoke with a few uh, data scientists in Zurich, you know, in a great university, um, and they research about AI. And they told me, you, you even can't, can't imagine how it's stupid. Right. <laughs> so great. yeah, because AI, yeah, is great. It's great to increase productivity. It it's great to uh, you know to increase speed, but it's not a replacement for human being. Of course, right. it can help. It can replace mediocre writers. Right. hundred uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. percent <laughs> because they <laughs> rewrote text before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think there's elements to it that can enhance copywriting. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's ways that it can, ma you, you know, you can maximize it as a, you know, business where you could use it in ways to improve customer engagement, for example. Right. So you can use it where maybe you wouldn't have to have a person on a chat bot. 24 seven on your website or something like that. Mm -hmm. You can have, you know, automated, repetitive types of tasks that maybe are something that you're currently having a human do that could, you know, give an automated response for an inquiry or, you know, different things like that, where I think that you can replace, you know, a human in certain situations that are pretty standard sort of automated type responses. I mean, we're all getting pretty used to going to a website now, having that chat bot in the corner, having it pop up, you know, I have a question about my billing and then you've got these automated responses that sort of pop up. That's where I see it replacing maybe some of the human aspects where you can help self-serve your customers in a way that doesn't require a human. But from a content perspective and a writing perspective and a personalization perspective, I still think there has to be a human behind some of that. But I do think that there's a way to enhance some of those things that we once used to have, you know, a human behind the scenes having to type or be, you know, paying someone to be on chat for 24 seven or hiring a third party company to do those kinds of things. I think that's where some efficiencies will come in and where maybe some of the human elements won't necessarily need to be there as much as they have in the past. And I think that's the piece that is going to be pretty exciting for business owners where you can get some of that stuff off your plate in a pretty easy, affordable kind of way. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, that iPhone on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, Award-winning e-commerce marketing strategist. Let's talk about that <laughs> okay. you know, uh, in your bio. Because, you know, uh, I see when companies uh, pay a lot of attention to uh, replicate competitors, uh, successful competitors. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not a good idea. I remember when Jeff Bezos talked about that. Uh, yeah. Companies need to be customer uh, obsessed than uh, competitor obsessed. Yeah. Uh, and can you tell how to create the right strategy? Because, you know, uh, if uh, I use marketing methods to analyze competitors on, I don't know, like SEMrush, iHRS, many other tools. So I can see how competitors get traffic. Then uh, if I do the same, you know, yeah. without uh, considering my unique selling proposition, without considering uh, customer data, without right. considering their pain points, uh, 
and even without considering strong sites, for example, if competitors are good on YouTube, it doesn't mean that I can right. film great videos, you know, trend on YouTube. Uh, uh, so any insights how to create the right marketing strategy, yeah. considering your unique selling proposition? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you kind of a different point of view on some of this when I think about marketing strategies based on what you said. So one of the things that I see happen a lot of times with our clients or with even, you know, competitors where they think they're going to kind of come in here with an AI sort of, you know, mindset and they're going to analyze all this stuff and they're going to go through and they're going to like blow it up with AI, right? They don't really have defined clear goals and objectives on what they're trying to accomplish with AI and how it really aligns with their overall business, right? And I think that's one of the pieces of a marketing strategy just in general, but how do you want to use and how or and what are you trying to achieve with AI and how does that align with how you're running your overall business? I think that if you don't understand the value or you don't understand how this is going to help enhance your message or, you know, find information from your competitors, you're going to have this disconnect between your marketing strategy and what AI is telling you. And understanding that and having it clearly defined, those goals and objectives, I think is number one. Number two is I think that you need to invest in some data and infrastructure around the AI piece of things, right? Because what we do know is that AI is heavily, heavily sourced on data. So organizations need to invest in that infrastructure to collect and store and process data in large amounts. And if you don't know what you're doing with that data or how to use that data in the right way, then it kind of doesn't matter what the marketing strategy is if you're not feeding it the right information or you're not, you know, parsing out that data in a way that's going to help you find the pieces that you're looking for. So I think those two things Obviously, you've got to have people on the backside that can take that data, synthesize it, and really use it in a way that creates the correct messaging, getting competitor information, and all those types of things. But the the part about AI that's really cool is that you really should use it as experimentation, right? And you should really be using it as a part of your overall marketing strategy to continuously learn and continuously experiment with different sorts of split testing. I mean, we're doing some split testing right now with some AI, you know, Facebook ad copy versus copywriting that someone has actually done to see how people react to it. And we're going to take that information and we're going to synthesize it and we're going to probably pull it apart and try different ways. And we're knowing and learning ourselves on the backside, not just relying on AI, right? And so I think having that kind of continuous monitoring and continuous experimenting with AI is super important. So again, I think you've got to incorporate a human into the mix of things as you look at this. But those are just some of the parts that I don't think people really think through when they start out on a marketing strategy to say, oh, I'm going to do AI. Well, why? Why are you doing it? What are you trying to accomplish with it? What's the purpose of using AI? Is it going to solve a problem? Is it going to get you more information? Do you just not have a copywriter? What's, you know, what's the point of doing it and how are you going to leverage that in your overall marketing strategy? So that's kind of the first thing that I, you know, really recommend is that and then investing in that infrastructure because you've really got to know what you're going to do with all of that data once you do get it and how do you actually use it because 
That's the beauty of AI is the data. The more you feed it, the better it gets. The more information you get, the more you get, you know, kind of down into the nitty gritty with it. So that's kind of my thoughts initially. It's it's more about what's on the backside versus how you put it out into the world, making sure that you've got that foundation down first. Nice, nice. Well, well yeah, you know, uh, AI is not a golden button. You know, right. you can't click this button, you know, to get. Exactly. By the way, on, on my future too, uh, it's called golden button, but guys, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's a joke. <laughs> you, know, you know, I want to ask you about your experience on, uh, I see on your LinkedIn profile, uh, uh -huh. Facebook, Instagram ads, TikTok ads, Google ads, email yep. marketing. Yep. So uh, let's talk about uh, setting the right ads. You know, uh, for example, 12 years ago, when I discovered uh, Google Ads, uh, I used myself. I didn't have any experience, uh, and that worked well because yep. I paid five ten cents per click. Yep. Today, it costs five ten dollars. I right. can't use the same channel uh, without considering a buying persona. Yeah. Can you tell? And you mentioned a lot about data. Can you tell how to create a buying persona uh, and personalize your message? Yeah, I think, you know, this is where, um, you know, things over the last five years really have changed, right, in all of the paid media sources. And I think having an understanding of who you're really talking to and who it is that you're really trying to engage when you, I kind of have this phrase, when you speak to everyone, you really speak to nobody, right? And so a yeah. lot of times we've got these sort of like generic messages that we put out there about, hey, I'm going to sell you XYZ product or, hey, I'm the best marketing agency out there or, hey, I'm the best SEO person. And you're really not speaking to the person that you're trying to attract. And because of the algorithms in both Google and TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, they're getting smarter and smarter as well with more information. You've really got to put out there in both your creative as well as in your copy who it is that you're really trying to speak to and get very detailed in that messaging. And I think that comes from a creative aspect as well as from a copy aspect. This is where some of that AI stuff can help you a little bit. But again, the human aspect to this is really important because the algorithm's learning more and more about what you're doing. And we've got to go a little bit more broad than we ever have before because of some of the privacy issues and because of all of the things that are happening. So understanding your persona, that AI algorithm is going to start understanding that through your copy and through your images, like it never has been be able to do before. And so when you kind of speak to all of these people around generic words, generic information, you're really going to miss the mark and you're going to spend a lot of money on paid media for a very little return, getting narrow and understanding. Now, I'm not talking about narrow in the way that you're marketing as far as like audiences and tactics and things like that, because that's a little bit different of a strategy. I'm talking about speaking to people through content that really talks to your audience and how you really do that in a way that flushes out everyone else and goes right to the heart of who you're trying to talk to. So we spend a lot of time with, you know, our clients at the agency going through 
customer persona, really trying to figure out the words, the messages, the keywords, the phrases, the visuals that their clients or their potential customers would be looking for versus saying, hey, I'm a health and beauty brand and I like to, you know, sell supplements. So does a million other people, right? <laughs> so how are you different? How are you unique? And how do you get that message really dialed in so that the algorithm of all different paid sources can find your right people for you? Nice, nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, you know, let's talk about um, another aspect that I can see uh, often uh, about uh, writing the right message with simplicity you know because you know yeah. uh, for example i often see many websites at uh, almost all their products on in the home page now yeah almost everything uh, yeah. but i remember bill gates once um, replied to this question for example if he has product a and product b and after investing x amount of money to product a and x to product b if product b sells two times more the second time he doesn't invest anything to product a and double investment to product B because it's best selling. Uh, right. It's the same uh, on Apple. If you open apple.com, you can see iPhone, you know, yep. iPhone because iPhone is responsible for uh, 40-50% of all sales. Alone. Right. So right. Uh, Apple doesn't try to sell MacBook, AirPods, Apple Watch, iTunes, many others, just only iPhone. Uh, very simple, a lot of space. Uh, short message you know yep. like make difference something like this so can you tell how to simplify content but uh give benefits to your customers because many customers um they choose or buy products because of emotion yep. my son uh, for example 100 percent of all his decisions to buy uh emotions <laughs> right. no no logic i don't know why <laughs> so any insights how to provoke this emotion <laughs> right. well you know i i always say confused people don't buy okay so mm -hmm. if you give people too many choices they're actually probably most likely going to bounce or they're not going to purchase something because they're confused or they have too many choices. And when you yeah. think about the online space, you've got, you know, really legitimately probably three to five seconds to capture someone's attention when they come to either your ad or they go to your website. And if you've got 20 choices of different products that you're selling or services that you're offering on your website, Somebody's going to look at that and go, I have no idea what I like. I have no idea what I want. And I'm just confused already. Now, they may not say that out loud or they may not have that exact you know, thought in their head, but that's what buyer behavior tells us is that we know that people bounce when they have too many choices. So really spending time with your data and your analytics and looking at what your best sellers are and creating and crafting a message around that for your customers. To your point, an emotional story, people like to learn about why you created this product. They like to learn about why this service is important to them, but only give them choices of things that are really the best sellers and put that in front of them. So many times we work with e-commerce businesses specifically, but so many times we'll do audits, you know, on people's websites. And I've audited thousands of websites at this point in my career, and they all have pretty much the same issues. I could tell you the top five things pretty much everybody has. And one of them is they never have like the best sellers 
listed on the homepage. They have the things they think are the best sellers or the things that are emotional for them, but they haven't spent any time looking at their data to say, hey, this widget sells 10 times more than this widget. Maybe I should put that on the homepage and talk about that and tell a story around why this thing is there, you know? And, and I think we spend a lot of time talking about the flashy, you know, shiny penny and the thing that's prettiest and the this and that. But the reality is you've got to use data to drive your decisions, right? And you've got to take some of that emotion out of it. Find the product or products that are your best sellers. Find the service or the one thing that people buy the most from you and explain it to them and tell them from an emotional perspective, tell a good story, become a good storyteller and help them understand why this one thing or two things is what they really need. And you'll see your conversions increase just because you've narrowed down the choices versus giving them everything to choose from or the thing you think is going to sell the most. So I think that's probably one of the biggest areas that I see from an opportunity perspective. So many people just miss the mark because they're just not taking the time to really figure it out or they're giving people too many choices. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Okay, you know, you, you remind me, uh, Tim Cook, uh, once he shared... Uh, um, uh, present, uh, that was presentation of a new Apple Watch, and he shared three stories how mm -hmm. Apple Watch can decide uh, problems. Yep. Uh, I got the feeling after the presentation, I need it. I need yeah. this Apple Watch. I got the feeling of owning this Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, I bought three pairs for me, <laughs> for my wife, for my son. You know, right. they, probably, <laughs> they probably kill me if I uh, buy only for myself. But, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, uh, Atlantic Ocean owns my Apple Watch today, but oh. you know, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. yeah, it's live, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and you know, but uh, what I found, uh, Apple uh, doesn't share features that other yeah. watches, smartwatches might have. Uh, Apple shares stories, and yeah. I got the feeling I wanna have it, I wanna own it. It's the yeah. same like BMW, a new BMW. If I see a new BMW, I see happy people drive this yeah. car. I don't yeah. see features, I don't see, you, you can find them. In specification, right. you need to scroll, but uh, in the first part, they share stories yeah. to, uh, to create this feeling. Can you tell how to create this feeling? How to learn your customers to create this feeling? Yeah, well, I, you're exactly right. I mean, people buy from emotion, right? They buy because they can see themselves with that Apple Watch. They can see themselves in that car. They can see themselves wearing the T-shirt. They can see themselves in the house, whatever it is. And having a really good understanding of what your customers love about your products is really important. And so why don't you just ask your customers what they love about your product. So many people miss an opportunity to get really great product sort of, you know, information by just asking their customers. Not only is it great for reviews, right? Everybody loves having reviews because it builds trust. And, you know, half the time we go to Amazon and we look up on Amazon, this product and the reviews and all, you know, is it good and all that kind of thing. But getting that sort of data from your customers to then share an emotional story or a paint a picture of why a customer would want this using real customer testimonials is critical to the success of that. And if you're not a great storyteller, 
This is where AI might actually come in and help you tell a story a little bit and give you some of those keywords. Obviously, you got to come in behind it and write that emotional piece because I haven't seen AI do that really well yet, the emotional part, but I think it could get there, right? But having that sort of story from your customer's point of view and hearing what they have to say about your product, there's no better you know, way to find out how to do it than to hear it from people who've actually purchased from you. And let's say you don't have any customers, right? Let's say you're just starting off and you really don't have any customers. You can still gather feedback from other industries. You can gather feedback from people that you are you know, aspiring to be like. You can write your own personal emotional story as to why you created this. People love hearing kind of the underdog story, right? Of like, I started this from my garage. You know, it's the whole Apple thing, right? Like I started this in my garage and now look at me kind of thing. Or I started this out of, you know, the sheer need because I couldn't find it in the product, in the market. And so I created this product myself and it's my baby and I want you to have it. Like people love that stuff. So telling your story and hearing it from either your customer's point of view or from your own point of view really helps build that emotional connection to the why I need this thing versus, well, it's black and it's this kind of material and it stretches this far and it's this big. And people don't really care too much about that. Of course, they want to know those details, but they want to understand like, ooh, this black shirt's going to make you look, you know, amazing, or you're going to feel so great when you're walking down the street and da, 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 da. So painting that picture of what your customers are going to want to feel or what they're going to aspire to when they buy your product or service is going to help tremendously in getting that emotional connection there. So I think just ask, ask your customers, right? Like, hello, there's a great opportunity there just to ask. Now, not everybody's going to tell you, but you'd be surprised how many people will actually want to give you feedback on something that they've purchased from you, good and bad. So I think it's great to get, you know, customer feedback and to use that in your marketing. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about another aspect that I see uh, often limits possibilities for companies. Uh, you know, I try to count how many times you uh, told the word data many times. Uh, I lost my track after 10 times. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I know it, it's important. It is. So, but, it is. But, I'm interested about uh, another aspect. It's called intuition. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we have experience uh, mm. and uh, we want to test something. If I listen 100% to my customers, okay, that's great. But uh, I need to test. I need to experiment. I need to yep. uh, use intuition. So can you tell how to find the balance? between yeah. intuition and data because uh, you know i'm asking about that because i found many great influencers use more intuition than data uh, they don't try to replicate or uh, satisfy anyone uh, they uh, you know they play themselves yeah and people love uh, follow them they uh, are fans because of uh, loving what they do so right. any insights about combining intuition and data yeah, you know, this is a really good one because I think that there has to be a balance between intuition and data. Now, 
our tagline is sort of a, a let data drive decisions, right? But the beauty of marketing is it's all about testing and failing and taking the data yeah. and testing and failing and taking the data and testing and failing. So I think that there's a bit of intuition that has to come at the forefront of your marketing and then using the information based on your intuition to then craft a different type of marketing message or to highlight or enhance your marketing based on what that's telling you. And I agree with you. you you've got to do some split testing. You've got to do A-B testing. And yes, that sounds like data, but there is a little bit of like, I think this product is going to sell, or I think my customers are going to like this, or I love this, so everybody's going to love this. Yes, but then once you get that information, don't just keep doing the same thing if it's not producing results. And that's where I think a lot of people don't necessarily stop and use the data to make those decisions. They just keep going with their intuition and it doesn't always work out, right? But that's the beauty of marketing is that it is all about using some of your knowledge, your intuition, your creativity, your product beauty to get it out into the world and to kind of just go with it, but then using the data to analyze and make different decisions after that. So it's kind of a, you know, there's a balance between what works and what the data tells you. Not always you just going with that, but A-B testing, split testing, doing different types of tests to make sure that, you know, you're going up against your own creativity versus what something. So I think it's fun. I mean, we always have a, a great time with experimenting with, you know, our clients will say things like, well, I know this is going to be the bestseller. It's just, it's just, I just can feel it. This is just it. Like, I just, I know this is it. And so I'll say, okay, great, let's test it and let's see. And so we'll put it out there and sometimes it'll work wonderfully. And sometimes it's like, mm, nope. And then you kind of have to go, see, I told you, well, I'm going to, you know, but it, <laughs> it's about balance, right? And I think there's a balance between keeping that excitement and some of the emotional sort of intuition pieces at the forefront, but also recognizing that you got to have the data on the back end to support that piece of it. So that's kind of how I would say, you know, and that's the beauty of marketing. It's just, it's sometimes it's just fun. Just try stuff and see what happens, you know, yeah. and that's a bit of the emotion and, and the intuition piece. Yeah, uh, I remember when Elon Musk told about failing. He told, yeah. "If you don't fail, you're right. not innovative enough." So right. yeah, right. Uh, for me, it's hard to count how many times I fail a lot. Totally, I keep <laughs> I keep doing that. <laughs> I keep doing because yeah, right? uh, I I love testing. I love testing because yep. generic approaches don't work in marketing. Right. If you uh, don't search for something new, Agreed. okay. I I have the final question. You know, okay. I will. What I found uh, in my company, uh, I usually get much higher results with clients who understand SEO. If they know the basic, so we usually create much better content, we usually create much better results because they understand. And yeah. I found, for example, if you want to, I don't know, let's uh, imagine build muscles. Yeah, you can find the best coach. If you don't understand why you need to eat healthy food, to train hard, to uh, skip uh, parties with friends, uh, you can't do it. You can't achieve high results. Uh, in uh, marketing, um, 
uh, the best experts come teach you how to get results if you don't understand these basics what to do and why we need to do it so can you tell uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience knowledge skills what will you do today to learn more about marketing to cooperate with great experts yeah that's a great question well, there's a lot of gurus out there, right? There's a lot of people selling a lot of things about marketing. And I think there's a lot of people saying that they're, they're marketers because they've taken a couple classes, they've gone through some courses, they've done some things, and now they're marketers, right? So I'm a little bit on the side of learning from companies that really have been doing this for a while and who are really sort of the companies that you aspire to. Now, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, copying other people's work. I'm not a fan of, and I'm not saying like, go, you know, steal whatever Apple's doing and make it yours and that kind of stuff. But there are companies that you can emulate, right? And there are companies that you can watch how they use social media, watch how they're doing digital, watch how they're doing print, watch how they're doing whatever your model is making sure that you're emulating things that companies that have been around for a while. I mean, Coke's been around for what is it? A hundred years or something like that. They're obviously doing something right. Whether you like Coke or don't like Coke, their marketing strategy has consistently worked over time. So emulate things that you can see that are working. I think you can learn a ton from the gurus. You can learn a ton from that, but it's not always like solid advice, right? And it's not always something that I think people can, you know, implement easily without really having either a lot of money or time or things like that. So my best recommendation is find a company that's similar to yours, that's been around for a long time, watch, learn, listen to podcasts, listen to, you know, people that are really in areas that are solid experts that aren't just these, you know, internet gurus that have popped up and pick pieces that you can actually do yourself test and try, right? And again, it's all about testing and trying and testing and trying. But now with the internet, you can basically become, you know, an expert in anything watching YouTube. That's not the best way, I don't think, but you can get a base by emulating different companies and things like that. One of the things I would tell a lot of people too is don't wait to get help and support in your marketing strategies. So many people try to, you know, do it all themselves and try to bootstrap everything when the reality is if you spent a couple thousand dollars and got someone to help you from the beginning, you could move much faster and you could spend a lot less time and money versus spending a year trying to figure out what the gurus are telling you and trying to figure out how to be a, a data analytics person and figure out Facebook ads and all these kinds of things. Spend a couple thousand dollars and hire someone to help you set it up properly and you're done in a month. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's it can go much faster in that way as well. So that's what I would recommend, you know, if I was just starting out kind of looking and emulating different um, companies that have been around for years and years that I'm aspiring to be like. So awesome. Awesome. By the way, guys, I want to share one more method. You need to follow them on social media, on LinkedIn to listen to your podcast, Ecom Prof podcast. So yeah. if you want to learn more about marketing, so you can learn 
and think how to implement and find great experts. It's a big pleasure to get Thank the show to so learn much. from you. Yes, I this was it. really fun. Thank you. You asked great questions. I love it. I appreciate it so much and appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, and yeah, I would love it if you follow me on LinkedIn or on Instagram at digital underscore Dawn Agency and listen to the Ecom Profit Podcast. We have lots of great guests there and lots of um, amazing, amazing tips and tricks on how to make your marketing strategies work even better. Nice, nice. Guys, you need to follow, you need to listen to this awesome podcast because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys, thank you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.